the National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Yeah. Look. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenchel Williams slips through. Here's a shot, and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself. Hammers it home! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IonNWSL.com. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Still posting daily content over there, podcasts, articles, different news and notes, polls, questions, all kinds of different stuff uh, for you guys to go check out over there. SportsEthos.com is the website if you guys have not checked it out. I would very highly recommend it. With football now in full swing, we have a ton of football content. We have premium stuff. We have free stuff. And that goes for all of our sports, premium content, free content. Football, like I said, is fully in swing now. Basketball is about a month away. And baseball here is into the stretch run. So make sure you guys are checking out all the great content across all of our sports. Now, today is Tuesday. We have been doing mailbags. And today is a mailbag, but it's a diff- it's kind of a different spin on the mailbag. I do recognize that some guys, some people who listen to the show may get kind of fed up and, you know, they, if they don't use social media, they might just listen to the podcast, just expecting to hear information, talk about baseball, whatever. Every Tuesday has been a mailbag. And if you're not somebody who gets involved in those mailbags, it could be kind of frustrating. There might be shows that you just skip altogether. And I, and I do understand that. So a little bit of a twist on it today. I sent out a, kind of a mailbag tweet, but I was asking who were your waiver wire pickups of the year? We did this around the halfway point of the season, maybe two and a half, three months ago. Uh, We talked about some pickups of the year at that point, but we're going to look at it now from pretty much a whole season's point of view. Players can do little things over these last couple weeks that are going to help your fantasy teams. In general, we kind of know who guys are for this year. Uh, If we're going to look back, especially in the offseason, like I said, small little changes. A guy has 22 home runs now. He'll end up with 25. Guy's driven in 84 runs. He'll end up with 92. And little things like that. People might raise their batting average. Some people might lower their batting average. So this isn't fully cut and dry, 100%, like what we're going to be looking back on into the offseason. Some players will change a little bit. But this is generally... Uh, these are generally the pickups of the year. We're going to talk about them and add more depth to it than just saying, yes, this guy was a good pickup, this guy was a good pickup. I also want to talk about where I want to be drafting these guys roughly for next season because a lot of things are going to change, obviously, by format. If it's points, head-to-head, if it's roto, if there's you know different league settings, all kinds of different things could you know cause price draft price to be different for, for players. Even if it's the same player. It could be a, an Otani situation where there's different types of player. It could be some platforms have you eligible at one position some platforms have you eligible at different positions whatever there will be variables that happen and that could be something else that changed over the last couple weeks of the season players gaining eligibility at a position it is possible so there will be some changes the long and short there is there will be some changes but i'm going to talk about some of the guys that you mentioned here as being your pickups of the year and talk about generally where i want to be taking them for next season the big one that came across a lot of the replies was Hassan Kim. I always butcher his name, I feel like. 
I, and I hear it mentioned in kind of differently worded. I guess it's because we English speaking people will tend to butcher foreign names. Uh, ha Song Kim. I think we all know who I'm talking about. Some people say Song Ha Song Kim. Um, but you guys know who I'm talking about. He has been one of the biggest surprises of the season, especially if you're somebody who looks at those statistics like war. And I like war, but I, I do think we kind of overuse it a little bit. But if you do look at war, he is very highly ranked this season. If you just look at fantasy player raiders, he's generally about a top 60, top 70 player who was pretty free coming into the season. Now, if you're talking about NFBC leagues, he was getting drafted. His, uh, his NFBC main event ADP was 248, call it 250. So he was getting drafted, but he was not somebody that was really taken into consideration as, oh, this guy could, could blow, this guy's going to be a good pick. It was more just filler, multi-position eligible player at that point in the draft where you're thinking, okay, he's not going to hurt me really here. It's a good lineup around him, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. What we've seen from him has been bona fide leadoff hitter material, batting 270, 35 stolen bases, 17 homers. 80 runs scored and 58 RPIs. Like I said, he is a top 60, 65 player. Number 66, according to Yahoo, as of right now. And definitely somebody that's going to be pushed up draft boards. The question is, how much are we going to push up Kim? And I think that the answer is somewhere inside of the top 100 picks. I think that reasonably, he he has to be at least a consideration. I know that there will be some people who kind of worry a little bit about the Padres as a whole What's the offense going to be? I, I I don't think it's that big of a concern. I do understand, you know, they haven't been as advertised. Kim has been more than as advertised, but the Padres as a whole have been kind of disappointing offensively. You're talking about the team that's 22nd in the league in batting average, 17th in slugging, they're 13th in homers. They're very middling, so maybe that will lead some people to stay away from Kim. But you're going to be looking at second and third eligibility. Depending on your platform, he may have shortstop eligibility. He's played there 17 times this year. So NFBC leagues, I believe you need 20 appearances in the previous year to carry eligibility over. Most other leagues, I think 17, or most other formats and sites, I should say, I think 17 games is enough that he will have shortstop eligibility. Even if it's just second and third, you'll take that. Uh, that's still very valuable. You're getting middle and corner eligible you know, if you're talking in those roto style leagues where you have middle infielder, corner infielder spots, then you can put him in there as well. There's a lot of value in Kim as like a five category contributor, top of a lineup that I think is going to be better than what we've seen. I mean, I saw a tweet today that was talking about just, you know, the randomness of baseball. And the Padres are within about 10 runs scored of the Blue Jays, and they're within about 10 runs allowed, like something like that. They're very similar differential numbers. And yet, Toronto has about 13, 14 more wins than the Padres do at this point of the season. I think it's 13. It's all kind of random sometimes. You might score 14 runs in one game and win 14 to nothing and then lose the next night 2-1. to one. And, you know, you, it's just there are, there are weird factors like that in baseball. Yes, as a whole, the offense has underperformed, but I think there's also just been some bad luck in there. Uh, this Padres team, with the talent that they have on the roster, in the lineup, Bogarts, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Kim... Uh, they should be a lot better, and I think going forward they will be. So if you're going to draft Kim and you don't want to strictly because of the offense around him, I wouldn't. And it sounds kind of counterintuitive, you know, Tati, Soda, and everybody else, but they've been bad. They are, you know, nine games under 500. They have been bad, below average offense. So it is somewhat of a concern. The actual skill set of Kim is really good. Sub-20% strikeout rate, 12% walk rate, 
all really good. His BABIP, his batting average on balls in play, is not crazy high. It's not like he's, you know, 375, 400 kind of BABIP range where you're thinking, okay, he's gotten a lot of hits this year. He's batting 270, but it's not really sustainable. It's unlucky. That's not the case. Or I should say it's very lucky. He has just had average batted ball luck. He has a 314 BABIP, very much with in line with Lee averages, and it's led to a 270 batting average. He is, I think, a pretty safe pick there at the end of the top 100 next year, assuming that's where he goes. And again, it's probably too early to even be speculating about this kind of thing. But I, I think if he's going back into the top 100, you're getting a guy who appears to be, you know, he's going to be the leadoff hitter. He has kind of bounced around a little bit, but 70 times he's been leading off this year. 11 times he's batting sixth, 31 times he's batted seventh. He's been all over the lineup, really, except for third and fourth in the order. Majority of the time leading off. So we're going to have to assume as of right now, he is going to be leading off again going into next year. He's done nothing to say that he shouldn't be leading off, stealing a bunch of bases, getting on base at a pretty good clip. Like I said, 12% walk rate. I think, you know, somewhere in the 80 to 85 range, you know, looking at it more, I, I think that's probably where he is going to settle in. Uh, there's nothing that he really is going to hold him back, I don't think. Like the offense, this is kind of the lowest of the low that you're going to see out of these players. The ta- like Machado's had a down year. Soto had a down first parties come back to life a bit. Machado has been up and down. It started off poorly. Now he's gotten a bit better. He hit a couple of dingers yesterday. But this is kind of like the low watermark for this offense, I think. And I think Hashan Kim, you give him any random year with this team around him, and you're going to get 100 runs, especially if he's a leadoff hitter. It should not be a problem to see 100 runs. We've seen the speed now. We saw it in Korea as well. 22, 28, 33, 21 steals. He's got 35 this year, but with the expanded rules, or the expanded bases, the, the more friendly rules for base runners, wouldn't shock you at all to see him get a couple more this season end up with 40 stolen bases. He's played, I believe, every single game this year as well. And I know that that's not – actually, you know, I think he's missed a couple of games. But he's played in 140 games here uh, with a few weeks left. Pretty much every single game he's playing. Second most games played on the Padres behind uh, Mr. Soto. There's a lot to like. And, I mean, you look at previous health, it's not always an, an indicator of future health. and It's not. But you'll take a guy who's playing 150-some-odd games over the guy who's always injured. At least you can be shown that he can do it, that he is healthy for now. And I know health is – I don't even want to get into the health aspect because you never know. Sometimes players look healthy and then they get hurt, and it's, it's totally random. So you have to kind of throw that away, especially at this point. This is an early exercise have no idea what he's going to be looking like health-wise coming into March, February, when you're really drafting. But there's a lot here to really like with Kim. There's nothing that you can look at and see as a big red flag. Offense should improve. He's leading off. He's giving you five-category production. He has eligibility all over the infield. There's a lot to like, and I, I think he is going to be on a lot of my teams next year. And if you were able to draft him this year, then you're very happy with yourself. If you're talking about like a Yahoo 12-teamer, and if you're just kind of using his ADP in the NFBC, it's not going to be you know the exact same across formats. Generally, it's going to be pretty close, 250 range. That's like your last round pick, last two rounds where you would have taken Kim this year. You got a very handsome return on your investment. Uh, you're looking at, like I said, top 60, top 70 player for the season. And I do think that the price will be similar to where he finishes in range this year. I'm thinking probably somewhere in the 80 range. There are probably going to be people who want to push him up even higher. And maybe I am underselling what he does, and maybe he'll go in the 50s or the 60s. I, I, I can't see a reason to be out on him even at that price. Like, considering what he has done and the team around him, I'm a huge fan of Kim. 
and I think that he's going to be on a lot of my teams next year, assuming that the price doesn't get out of hand. Assuming people aren't taking him third round or something, then I might get a little uh, you know, a little bit of hesitation there. But I think as of right now, uh, he's going to be pretty solid uh, as like a fourth, fifth rounder in 15 teamers. I think that's probably where he is going to lie. Cole Reagans. Cole Reagans has obviously been a huge revelation down the stretch here. I'm not really sure what the hell happened. Uh, I do want to credit Nick Pollock. I think I have already on the show, but Nick was the first person that I heard in the fantasy world anyway talking about Cole Reagans as being anything anything at all. Like I didn't have any real interest in him when he went to Kansas City. I don't think many people really did, uh, but shout out to Nick because he definitely did see something there. I mean, to his credit, there was nothing to really look at in terms of just the average stats. If you're looking at what he did so far in Texas this year, before he got traded, it was a 592 ERA and 17 relief appearances, 24 innings, 24 strikeouts, nothing special, hell of a lot of walks, 14 walks and 24 innings. Since he's come to Kansas now, nine starts with a 169 ERA, 69 strikeouts in his 53 innings pitched. He's a totally new man, and if you look at his stats for the whole season, it's a 301 ERA. He's a 298 FIP, 353 XFIP. He's doing a lot of things very well. The walks are weighted. If you look at the whole season, obviously it's like a 10% walk rate. It's still weighted a little bit because of his time in Texas. If you look at what he's done just in Kansas City, though, he's gotten everything under control. The walks aren't as bad. The strikeouts are better. He's winning games, which is, I mean, it's random. The team is really not great in his um you know, in his, whatever it is, six wins this year does Reagans have? I think it's six as a whole. Um, it, it's kind of just random, and I, I don't really like looking at wins because you never really know. You guy can go, what was it, Corbin Burns the other night, uh, eight shutout, no hit kind of innings, and I think it was a no decision for him. You never really know, but he is getting wins. He is pitching well. The whip is low. The strikeouts are high. He looks excellent. I just don't know exactly how high to push him up next season. I can't see myself drafting Cole Reagans too high up. I, I can't see myself pushing him up into like the 70, 80 range. If he's going somewhere in like the 140, 150 kind of range, I'd probably be in. And I think a lot of people are going to jump the gun even higher than that because a lot of this is what have you done for me lately? A lot of this is, oh, you were on my team last year. You helped me win a championship. Therefore, you are valuable and I'm going to pick you this year. Sometimes you see pitchers just go on these magical runs. And I'm not saying that Reagans is just on a magical run and he won't be able to keep it going. But I would be cautious about investing a very high draft pick in somebody with a very short track record of success. We're talking nine starts here. And it has looked very good. He's been very solid. Another thing to factor in is that the last time he was out, it was against the Blue Jays this weekend, he slipped off the mound on three consecutive pitches and threw the ball to the backstop, costing his team the game there, essentially. I'll take it as a Jays fan, as a fantasy manager, analyst, slash whatever you want to call me. It is kind of concerning to look at next year and say, okay, people are going to be in on Cole Reagans. I don't know how much the slipping thing really matters. Sometimes pitchers just totally lose control and they can't do it anymore. You know, Rick Ann Keel was obviously the big example, the name that was being thrown around. He had to convert to being an outfielder because he couldn't pitch anymore. I don't know that we're, I don't think we're anywhere close to that with Reagans. Definitely something to keep an eye on, though. I want to watch his next start. I want to see if he's still slipping all over the place. Maybe this is something that was just the field in Toronto sucked. Definitely possible. The field in Toronto is not known for being amazing or anything. The mound, I'm not sure there's really a big history of problems on the mound at the Rogers Center. But it's just kind of a weird little blip. And it was already kind of weird, this whole thing with Reagans, right? You're talking nine starts of him just shoving. 
out of nowhere. I don't know. There was something that kind of is just not doesn't make me want to jump in with both feet. Essentially, now you got this slipping thing. It's it's weird, right? Like I don't know if it's even anything. It might just be absolutely nothing. Maybe there is the start of something falling apart with Reagan's. You got to remember, he's had Tommy John surgery two times. That's I don't know how well known that is, but he's twenty five years old. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. He didn't pitch at all in 2018 or 2019. I, b- I believe those were the years. 18 and 19 or 19 and 20. He had to take two years off because he had Tommy John in consecutive years. So it's not like we're dealing with a fresh arm here that is all good to go. Like there is a lot of damage that is in that elbow. It's looked very good. It's looked excellent so far. I just don't know if I am fully going to be all in on Cole Reagans. All the numbers would suggest that you should be. He's striking out a hell of a lot of batters. He's not walking that many batters. If you just look at like strikeout-to-walk rate since he's been here, it's 25%. Since he's been in Kansas, I should say. 33.3 strikeout rate, 8.2% walk rate. 8.2 is still not great, but it's a lot better than what it was before. Is allowing an average under 200. His whip is below 1. The BABIP is pretty low. pretty Not even low. It's pretty reasonable, honestly, at 294. He's stranding a good number of base runners, about 79%, but the way he's been pitching, that's about right. Like Pitchers who are in that elite class, you know, generally you're looking at 70, 72, 73% for left-on-base percentage. Those elite pitchers, <clears throat> and even for pitchers who just have elite stretches of time, tend to strand more base runners. You know, you let a couple guys on, you're on a roll, you're striking out everybody, those runners are going to be stranded. So while the 80% number looks a little bit high, it's generally within the range of what you'd expect based on how he's been pitching. All this to say, I don't know what the hell to do with Cole Rankins next year. I, I'm going to need some more time to really figure out what exactly happened. What did he change? Maybe we'll talk with Nick Pollock. I'll talk with him in first pitch Arizona and try and get a picture of what exactly he saw <clears throat> going into this situation with Reagans because he seemed to know. Uh, he seemed to have the crystal ball there and see that this was coming. And kudos to Nick. I just don't know that I'm ready to jump in. And if he's going in the range of like uh, Lazardo next year, if he's going around other guys who have been very good, like I'm just trying to think of some good examples of, of pitchers who will probably go in a similar tier. Like let's say it's Jose Barrios or Chris Bassett. One of those guys who is definitely a little safer, you know, those guys who have been around for a lot longer, but there's probably more limited upside in terms of your strikeouts what are we doing with a guy like, you know, Yuri Perez? Are we taking Yuri Perez ahead of him? <clears throat> I think we should. Yuri Perez has had some struggles. Strikeouts haven't been so great recently. Still looking at a very good season. 290 ERA, 110 whip, 99 Ks in 83 innings. He's been great. Are we taking him ahead of Reagans? Probably. Are we taking Tariq Skubal ahead of him? Tariq Skubal has been excellent. Tariq Skubal has a 347 ERA, 103 whip. A little bit more of a track record. Not a long track record, but... <clears throat> excuse me, if he starts going in this range and he starts surpassing these other pitchers, and I feel like he will. Like I was talking about the hype train, what have you done for me lately, that people really read too much into that. Oh, he had a great September for me last year. I'm going to pick him up this year because he won my league for me last year. It's There's so much changing information constantly in baseball to do with the weather, your coaches, your lineup around you, at the ballpark, everything. There's a lot we're going to have to look at with Reagans. He's pitching for an atrocious team. They are awful. They tried to come into the year being competitive, and there's been I've got to check the standings and see right now because they kind of flip-flop. They've been, for at times, worse than Oakland, who you know made no 
Well, actually, they are worse. They're one game worse than Oakland right now. Oakland came into the year. We knew they wanted to lose. We knew they didn't give a shit about winning. Kansas City, a lot of people coming into the year, including myself, thought maybe this team could surprise some people, you know, kind of like the American League version. Like, I thought they were going to be more successful than the Diamondbacks. That's what I was coming into the year. I thought that their offense was set up for success with Witt, with Perez, with Melendez. I thought they would work really solid. Vinny P, who's missed the whole year pretty much. I thought that they were going to be really good. They've been garbage, and I don't see them getting much better next season, really. I mean, there's nothing that they're not going to draw big free agents in. Their big draw this year was Aroldis Chapman, who netted them Cole Reagans. That was a very smart trade. But I don't know that there's a lot of pieces there set up for success in Kansas City over the next couple of seasons. So Reagans, along with being a wild card where we don't really know long-term what he's going to give you, he's pitching for a bad team. He's got a good division. He's pitching a very good division, so you're likely to run into easier matchups than you would if you were you know, a Jose Barrios or a Chris Bassett type. I just don't know how to fully feel about him. We'll, we'll deep dive. We'll go very deep into guys like Cole Reagans who are going to be the, you know, you're probably going to read 100 articles about Cole Reagans in the offseason, and I think it does warrant it because this is league winner type of performance we've seen from him, but it's also incredibly out of the blue. It's not like he's some highly touted prospect who was just on the cusp, and we knew he was going to be coming up. And it's not like it's Jason Dominguez coming up, and we, he's hitting home runs. It's like, well, you know, you're surprised, but you're not at the same time with Dominguez hitting home runs because he's a highly touted prospect with a lot of power. You knew he was going to hit home runs. So while it's nice, it's not surprising. This is nice, but it's very surprising. And it's not something that I would look at and say, yeah, Reagans is a stud now. He's a total ace. He might be, but I think we need a bigger sample size. We'll have to see how he finishes out the year. We'll see what happens over these next couple of starts if he's able to get that control back because he threw those wild pitches. He was out of the game right after that. I hope there's nothing wrong with his elbow. Uh, that's what it really comes back to. He's had two Tommy Johns. Uh, you know, there very easily could be something wrong with his elbow, and I hope we're not going down that route because he looks incredibly fun. He's an exciting guy to watch. It's nice to see new ace pitchers come up. And I really, really hope that he's okay, but I'm also I'm also a little bit skeptical uh, at the same time about what we're going to see in the long term. But we will dig into that more for sure uh, as the offseason goes on. Let's talk about a couple of other guys here. Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis has always been, you want know, to talk about like a highly touted prospect. Royce Lewis has been touted for a long time. We knew Royce Lewis was going to be a very good baseball player for several years now. It's not like a big surprise. He's come up and he has mashed this year. He's batting 312. He's got uh, 12 dingers. He's got five stolen bases in 50 games. But the minor league track record was always that of a very, very good hitter, good speed, pretty good plate skills, not high strikeout rates really anywhere, decent walk rates, always good um, prospect pedigree with Royce Lewis. Now, Injuries have been the problem for him. He hasn't really been able to stay on the field. He's getting his first true, real shot this year. He did have he played 12 games last year, but this is his first real sampling at the big league level at 24 years old, and he's looking amazing. Like He is looking like a superstar in the making. He's got 44 RBIs and 31 runs in 50 games. Like He is set in the world on fire. And he is another guy who, you know, like the other two guys we've talked about today, probably going to be considered a quote-unquote league winner uh, by the time it's all said and done. Where are we drafting him for next year is a big question. And at this point, I think it's probably somewhere in the top 
100 picks roughly. Like he's going to be back end top 100, maybe just outside of it in a lot of cases. He was somebody this year where you couldn't really even draft him. There's not really draft ADP data. Like you can go to draft champions formats and look there. If you're looking at, you know, standard 10 and 12 teamers, he was not drafted in draft champions. He was going like the draft and hold where you don't make moves throughout the year. He was going about 470. He went as high as 234. He went as low as 644. But he was not somebody that had really a lot of redraft hype at all coming into the season, nor should he have, because there just really wasn't a lot to, to work off of there. But now you're looking back on it. The last month, he's a top eight. He's a top 10 player. He's the eighth overall player for the last month. And it's, it's really ridiculous. And you won't be able to you know, project this out going forward, because month-to-month run and RBI totals do vary quite a bit. But in the last month, 94 plate appearances, excuse me, 94 at-bats, 20 runs and 29 RBIs in the span of a month, eight homers and four stolen bases in that time frame. He has been, uh, he's been as good as anybody in the game at this point over the last month. He really has. If you're looking at RBIs in that time frame, the only guys with more are Julio Rodriguez and Cody Bellinger. There's a couple guys who have more runs, but considering what we're talking about here, not a lot of expectations for Royce Lewis at all <clears throat> to come on in August and September Hit eight home runs, steal four bases, hit 329 RBIs. Like, I, I wasn't aware of that over the last month until I just looked at it right now. 29 RBIs in 94 at-bats is just absurd. I think he had, I think he has three grand slams this year or something, which is just ridiculous. I think it, I think it was back-to-back games, actually, where he had grand slams against Cleveland. He's just, he's a stud. He, he is a stud. Uh, if you look at what he's done in terms of the, the plate metrics at the major league level, they're not quite as good at, as what he did at the minor league level, which is you know pretty standard. Still not bad, though. A 23% strikeout rate is not bad at all. That's pretty average. 6.4% walk rate. Again, could it be a little higher? Yeah, but it's within the range of average. The average walk rate is about 7 8%. So it's not crazy. And I, John Legaza pointed this out to me one time uh MLB moving averages uh, you guys know John he's been on here a couple times that when we're looking at walk percentage and strikeout percentages we can occasionally lose our mind over one percentage here or there I do it myself especially with strikeout rates with pitchers like oh he's at 24 percent oh he's at 26 percent oh he's at 20 you know like you you can really change how you view a pitcher based on small things like that but John pointed it out when I believe it was our trade deadline uh, live show where he was on the panel the first panel there if you have a 6% walk rate or a 7% walk rate, you're literally talking about one batter over 100 that's walking or not walking. You're talking about you know one pitch that didn't hit the outside corner or you know something along those lines. So sometimes we'll blow that number out of proportion a little bit. A 6% walk rate is totally fine. It's not what he was doing in the minors exactly. He was usually about 7 to 10% there, occasionally touching up as high as 11 but he's giving you 6% with a 23% K rate. Like that's that's totally within the range of acceptable, especially because of everything else that he is doing for you. I think that you know to go back to the the point of where we're taking him next year. I think we're probably talking about the back end of the top 100, maybe into like the 120 kind of range because if he was just some random nobody who came onto the scene and did this I don't know if people are really going to take note as much. You know, if he did like a pretty much a Joey Manessis from last year, come onto the scene over the last month and perform really well. Joey Manessis was only going about 200th, you know, 180, 200 in a lot of drafts, which even I thought was too high at the time. 
but he was an unknown, right? Joey Manessis was a guy who'd spent his whole career in the minor leagues. He comes up at age 28, 29, and he murders the ball over the next month. Royce Lewis is somebody who, you know, he's murdering the ball right now, and that back half of that story is the same, but there's a lot of prospect pedigree. Royce Lewis has been a top prospect for a long time. He's been in the minor league since 2017. It's been a long time coming for Royce Lewis, and I think people now that they see that he is finally producing will say, finally, now I can jump on him. Now is my chance to take him in a redraft league. So you're probably going to see him go in that 100 to 120 range, and I have no problem with it, honestly, at this point. I don't love the lineup around him. I think that there are, is potential for it to be okay. Uh, I'm definitely not a huge Twins fan. I just think that they're, I don't know, I like their pitching. Like, I like Lopez. I like Duran. I like Joe Ryan. But in terms of their lineup, that's the only thing that I'm looking at that's like, well, I don't really know what this is going to look like. Edward Julian, I think he's going to be very good. Alex Kirilov, the same thing. Correa is not great. You know, the rest of the lineup is kind of iffy down there in the back half of it. Kepler is good, but Kepler is also 30. And is he, you know, is he a part of the future long term with this team? He's been there a long time. He's had a good stretch this year, Max Kepler. But is he somebody that you're going to, like, rely on? I don't know. We haven't really been able to rely on him for health, mostly, of the last couple of seasons. But even in 2022, 115 games, he had nine home runs. So there's not a lot of consistently great producers around him in that lineup. That's the only thing that really worries me. But I do think that the skill set is there for him to go out there and give you 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and probably bat somewhere in like the 280 kind of range. Like he could end up as a top 50 player very easily. I just saw Eric Cross put him in the top 50 of his uh, dynasty rankings. It makes sense. It, 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 it totally makes sense. And I think for next year, even if people start pushing him up inside the top 100 a little bit, I could see myself being okay with it. I, I think that there is a long way to go before we know how good Royce Lewis is going to be, but we have definitely seen a sampling over the last month or so of how good he can be if everything comes together at the right time. So three interesting players, uh, Cam Reagans and, of course, Mr. Lewis. I think that they're all going to be very intriguing, and I think their prices are all going to move a little bit, specifically Reagans. It'll depend on the news we get about him. It depends on how he looks over his next couple starts. But these are going to be uh, uh, interesting topics to go over throughout the offseason. These players who performed well this year, kind of out of the blue, kind of just breakout kind of players, and where to take them next year. We'll keep doing these kind of shows going forward. But if you guys like what you're hearing, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. It helps other people to see it. As we wind down the year, people start to listen to football shows and basketball and hockey, and they go back to school, and they stop listening altogether to everything which is totally fine, but you guys here who are the diehards can definitely help me out there by subscribing to the podcast. If you're somebody who just finds it through the links on Twitter, I definitely appreciate you, but you can help yourself out and you can help me out just by hitting the subscribe button. Gets that podcast right in your feed every single day. <clears throat> that is obviously uh, very helpful. And if you are somebody who has not done so yet, please leave a rating and review. Uh, you know, I can kind of be kind of annoying about that sometimes. I know all, kind of, all podcasts can be kind of annoying when they tell you to rate and review and subscribe and like and follow and all that. But it does really help if you listen to the content daily or weekly or monthly, whenever. If you do get something out of it, I really do appreciate you guys uh, taking a few seconds and scrolling down to the bottom of the page there and just hitting that five-star button. It really does mean a lot. But that will do it for me. Back tomorrow, we'll talk some news and notes. We'll see what happened in Tuesday's games, and we'll get you set for the rest of the week. But until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. 